You're listening to Rock Talk, a podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined by the world's most accomplished art thief, Charlie Guile. Charlie, how you doing? <laughs> I might be the second most accomplished art thief. This movie really distinguishes between the best art thief and the second best art thief. Because that is a ranking that we are all in tune with in our daily <laughs> lives. First, that is a, it's a known thing. It's the, like the it's like the tennis rankings. You know who the world number one is for tennis. You know who the world number one for art thief. Does an egg count as art? These are questions that we will hope hopefully get uh, down to the bottom of. That is the that's the goal. Um, today's movie is Red Notice, twenty twenty one action comedy starring Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. Before we get into this, like how should we like set something up off the top? Should we, uh, is there like a summary that, that makes sense? How do we kind of go about tuning folks into kind of what this movie's all about? Sure. I, I do want to go back and remind people that I believe we talked about this on the first ever episode mm. of Rock Talk. That Dwayne Johnson had like signed on to a movie called Red Notice. We didn't really know much about it. We knew when Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds signed on later. So this is this episode has been a long time coming, as with a lot of things uh, regarding this podcast. <laughs> it it took us a while to get here. Just like your thoughts off the top, was it worth all of this waiting? My 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 ten thousand feet opinion on this is that it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I found, I would say I found a third of this movie very entertaining. Two thirds of it I found kind of incomprehensible. <laughs> but there's a third, I think there's like a good movie version of this. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. You know, we've watched so many of these movies that I feel like we rag on a lot. So I, I was definitely watching with the mindset of I really want to like this movie. Especially, I felt like it got clowned a lot when it first came out because... Netflix came out with a statement saying it was like the most watched movie, like original movie that they'd ever put out. And it became this joke of like, who's watching Red Notice? Because it's sort of an anonymous movie with with big stars, which I, I think is kind of Netflix. That, that's like their strategy with these movies. Is they get big name actors to sign on. And then when it comes out, it's like in the top 10 and then you never see it again. It did feel even just scrolling Netflix to open this movie up. It did feel like to a certain extent made in like a like by an AI generator. The description on Netflix, you know, most of the movies will have like a, you know, a little, you know, a bite-sized summary of what you're about to get into. This just says this 2021 action adventure film features Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And then if you actually like click into the movie, it's like three invaluable art pieces, one great pulp fiction joke. <laughs> Uh, join Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot on this fun romp, whatever. Like, it sort of undercuts its importance right out of the gate. But, I mean, it's essentially, it's a heist film, a globe-trotting heist film, where there are three MacGuffins. And uh, Dwayne Johnson, we meet him. He is, do we want to go through the, uh, go through our characters here? Sure. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson is uh, essentially an FBI Interpol agent, right, uh, named John Hartley. Um, to kind of make this simple, he basically plays Luke Hobbs. That's, that's essentially what's <laughs> going on here. Kind of, yeah. He's like he's like a, a more slick Luke Hobbs. Luke Hobbs has some rough edges to him. This is like the Hobbs and Shaw version of Luke Hobbs, just transported in this movie. That's um, and then you know what? I want you to hold – I want you to remember that – statement <laughs> <laughs> wow a tease a uh, a mysterious tease well, and then you have ryan reynolds character who is the world's greatest art thief or second greatest art thief they make a big deal of that and then you have gal gadot who plays uh the bishop, the bishop who is like fighting with ryan reynolds to be like the world's greatest art thief and they're all after these three they're not Fabergé eggs. They make that very clear off the top. <laughs> These are not Fabergé eggs. These are Egyptian eggs that just happen to look exactly like Russian Fabergé eggs. Get it through your thick... <laughs> These are Cleopatra's 
eggs. And we we're, we are told this, and this is honestly becoming kind of a ridiculous trope that we keep in like a, a voiceover legend retelling at the beginning of this movie, which this is like what he did in Jungle Cruise. It's like what he did in Hercules. Like this is, <laughs> this is why, why do these movies start like this? Well, you know, there's a couple of things that I feel like will clue you off to like you're about to watch a movie that may not be so great. One of that is like a really long narrative voiceover kind of explaining the backstory, like a jumping off point. And then and then also like when there's text on the screen with a definition of something. (laughs) And this movie had both of those things like there's like a, you know, a Webster's (laughs) Webster's defines Red Notice as before we like get into the movie proper. Which I think was like a signal for me that this movie was going to do whatever it could to like treat its audience like infants, like they knew nothing. But I think this movie is trading in on a lot of tropes from James Bond, some from National Treasure, Indiana Jones. I mean, there's a point where Ryan Reynolds is like whistling the tune to Indiana Jones. Out of nowhere. (laughs) So... It, it it's trading in on a lot of these tropes. I just don't know that it did the work to like distinguish itself as an like a unique movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not a pastiche. It's it's just kind of a cheap way to trade in on these tropes. So what do you think? I, right before we jump into the plot here, we've talked like for a moment about the rocks character, but 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 tell me a little bit more of your thoughts on on what we get here. His his opening sequence. It's it's it is like so many different Dwayne Johnson intros. There is a threat of some sort of criminal activity, and he like bursts into the scene, long extended monologue. Like, what do you think about this kind of Dwayne intro? I, I think right off the top, we are led to believe that this is yet another Dwayne Johnson role that fits into the skilled professional column. Nice. And so you know, he's a, a behavioral law enforcement agent. profiler. Yep. <laughs> which. Yeah, a behavioral profiler, which I thought was kind of an interesting swerve. I was like, I was thinking, oh, we're going to see him try stuff new. And and sort of like his like behavioral profiling expertise only came up a few other times. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that I, I think had some, there's some interesting ideas behind it. I just wish that they would have, you know, made it a more distinct character. This is the same director that did Skyscraper. And we really liked Skyscraper. And I think a big part of that was because Dwayne Johnson was playing like a real person, like a character with flaws, where here he's kind of just like a caricature of a law enforcement agent. Right. It's this this similar, very little weaknesses situation that we get here. I did think the behavioral profile stuff, if they had if that had been the crux of what he was able to kind of bring to the table they did it in a very funny like criminal minds type way where he was just you know he's looking at ryan reynolds he's like father abandoned you at seven uh, making up for your mom's uh you know uh, trying to get your mom's love through robbing stuff like he, he was very much uh, you've been assessing. working on your dwayne johnson impression it's, you like that <laughs> I, I agree i agree there were some interesting ideas that they kind of abandoned most you know about a third of the way through the movie and maybe that's the third that you're talking about. I, I I actually enjoyed a lot of the stuff in Rome because when you look at a movie like this, especially one that's like trading in on James Bond and Mission Impossible tropes, I'm looking for time spent on location, like real world places. I'm looking for real stunts, not necessarily absence of CGI, but I want to see people in the frame doing things in physical spaces. I, I think that the Rome sequence had a lot of that. So I had, I was feeling pretty good. My very first note is the Dwayne stunt activity was notable. He was very much involved beyond kind of what we've seen in Fast and Furious. He was very much breaking through window, doing uh, like uh, agile, uh, very visibly having to dodge things. I was I was very engaged from the level of physicality we were getting early on. Ryan Reynolds is a big part of this opening sequence because we're kind of getting the introduction to Dwayne's character and we're learning about uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, Nolan Booth at this time, who we're led to believe is the is the best art criminal in the world. What do you think about Ryan Reynolds? Is he, what kind of character, is he playing just kind of a typical Ryan Reynolds to you? Or Yeah, uh, yeah that's it? pretty much exactly right. I mean, I'm sure this guy has acting chops. There's a lot of people that like him, but I think maybe Deadpool, even though it made him a 
quadrillionaire, it also taught him maybe some lessons that if he just kind of sticks to Deadpooling in every in every movie, then he's going to uh, do just fine, I guess. I'm a little tired of that. I'm a little tired of the self-referential humor, the Pulp Fiction joke, the the Raiders theme. I just I would like this movie to not be so set in a time and place. And I think when you're making topical references, it, it automatically dates the movie. I mean, we'll get to it later, but Ed Sheeran is in this movie. So oh. there's some, like I said, I really wanted to like some stuff in this movie. And, and there are segments that I that I did like, but I think this isn't, you know, rocket science, but great movies have great characters. And I think oftentimes seven bucks forgets that that's a huge part of the puzzle. So I think this is going to be a little bit, I think, of a preview of where my thoughts end up at the end. But I agree with you completely with Ryan Reynolds doing too much of like his fourth wall shtick. There's a lot of like poor man's Jason Statham energy going on with the with the way that their dynamic is uh, between him and The Rock. And I, what I think is missed is that this is this movie, I think, is an example of Dwayne pretty much striking the camp balance correctly. <clears throat> but the people around him are unable to rise to his level. So I think this is a rare moment where Dwayne actually understood the tone correctly. But Ryan Reynolds couldn't get out of his own way. And Gal Gadot, and we need to discuss her as well. I actually think she kind of just like, I think she was all, my opinion, she's all over the place with this performance. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a moment to like discuss Gal Gadot's character. So she is the bishop, kind of the, I don't know, is she like a super villain? What would you describe her as? She's She is kind of uh, teased as the big bad early on in this movie after we're led to believe that Ryan Reynolds is the big bad. Gal Gadot is kind of this ominous, yeah, super criminal mastermind figure. Um, but uh, it's unclear, I think, early on whether or not her presence is uh, like nefarious or if, if she's going to kind of be a part. I was unclear in, in Ocean's Eleven. There's a lot of twists and things going on, but they make it pretty clear, like, who's in the crew, who's out of the crew. This movie doesn't give you any of that stability. Yeah, I think that that's a good observation. I I think they're trying to make all three characters really likable uh, so that they're all redeemable, even though they're bad people. And, you know, there's a scene early in the movie where Dwayne Johnson says, you know, I'm the bad guy, which I guess is a clue for the big twist at the end. (laughs) But I, I think with Gal Gadot's character... Yeah, she is like the master planner, master manipulator, whereas um, Ryan Reynolds is more of like a street level operator. Uh, He may be like the best at the actual physical stealing of these art pieces, but she is like the master planner. But then that gets balanced with shots of her like watching the Great British Bake Off. Like it's very much interposed. We're, We're never just able to accept that she's like, to me, like a full professional kicking butt like there's a lot of i don't know they made her almost they were trying to make her silly i think you and i agree on gal gadot's appeal is that you know in wonder woman she just strikes you as this like force for good very heartfelt and genuine thing she doesn't do that here and maybe she's trying something different wants to do something different but i wouldn't say that her like strong suit is like jokiness no, and there's actually a bunch of misses, and I think there may be a, even just again from like a tone perspective, there are there are moments where she is being funny. There's moments where she is she is directed to be uh, romantic and and kind of this uh, like uh, using sexuality to kind of move. I just think it was all over the place. Um, I mean, maybe we should talk about the twist at the end because I think it really affects how the characters operate through like the first 80% of the movie. Because Gal Gadot, if she's like a super villain, if the bishop is like truly, you know, as bad as they say that she is, she should be bad. She should be not necessarily unlikable, but that should be driving her motivation. And I feel like Gal Gadot's motivation throughout the whole movie before the twist is that she's like trying to like have a good time with these guys. So I, I think you're right in order for us to appropriately view this movie through, through the correct lens, we actually need to jump to the end, discuss the twist, which is a essentially a, 
pretty nuts reveal that Dwayne and Gal Gadot have been working hand in hand the entire time and are uh, clearly made out to be uh, uh, love interests uh, punctuated by one of the most upsetting kisses I've ever seen um, on film. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think every time we talk about Dwayne Johnson kissing somebody, we don't talk about it in like a positive light. And maybe it's because we're jealous or maybe it's just because it's just that unsettling. I- I'm not sure. <laughs> but I mean, and so basically this this cop guy who has been working his way through the movie and he says it a few times because he's been falsely accused of stealing this first egg uh, and he's working to clear his name. And that motivation is really flimsy. And this and, and I think this movie used the flimsy motivation correctly in the end by revealing that he was actually working with Gal Gadot the whole time. But it's just like, I don't think that they properly laid the breadcrumbs for this kind of reveal. I wouldn't say it's like a satisfying reveal that they've been working together the whole time. It just like kind of makes, it just makes the fact that like his character, his character's motivation was unbelievable, a little more believable, I guess. And that's, I think you're spot on. It, 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 it doesn't add up, right? Because half of the movie is him trying to clear his name of, of this criminal activity. The other half of it, and this is, I would argue probably that the most heavy handed plot narrative that the movie gives us is the uh, relationship between his character and Ryan Reynolds, him being a cop, Ryan Reynolds being this crook, and them learning to to trust each other and come together and like establish an unlikely friendship like we've seen in so many of his movies. But the moment that you reveal this twist that they're actually all working against Ryan Reynolds, you don't know who to root for. It, it kind of like you lose all reason uh, <laughs> to be invested because it's like, okay, well, you had this in the bag for a minute one then. There was never right. really any any risk, any any threat. And this is like the Ocean's Eleven of it all. Where like at the beginning of an Ocean's movie, like you said, you know who's in the crew, you know what the objective is, and the satisfaction comes from them pulling off this plan. Here, there's so much globe hopping, in quotes, because I really do think that Rome was the only real location they went to. Because they shot a lot of this in Atlanta, and you can tell. Uh, but seeing the fruition of this plan is sort of the satisfying thing there here you just know that they're after this thing there's a little bit of like safe cracking we have to steal this guy's thumbprint to get into his vault and we have to do this and that that was kind of i i enjoyed some of that uh but that was only like a third of the movie okay so i want to actually that's where i want to pause i mentioned i like the third of this right my third, the third that I boxed off is the entire sequence. And to kind of tease out a little bit more of the plot here, at a certain point, they, they locate the missing egg. They got to break into some dude's house. He's essentially holding like an eyes wide shut, like rich person, like sex party situation. <laughs> uh, and they are Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and then Gal Gadot shows up. They are all trying to steal the egg uh, for about a 25 minute sequence. I thought this box of the film. Highly successful because it was the right amount of camp. They have that whole Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot have like a 15, 20 second dance sequence, which I thought was the right amount of goofy, the right amount of playful. Uh, I like the code breaking. If the movie had lived more in the world of actual heist with some of that Ocean's Eleven, like here's how we did it. I think it would have been successful, but it, it trips over itself with with like everything else. I, I agree. I, I like the stuff in Rome just because it felt like a real place, whereas everything else was very clearly a set. You know, if you're going to do the whole like globe hopping thing, don't give me like Bali and then show interiors the whole time. Like, right. <laughs> it, it's true. Uh, and so this part of the movie, I think, fell victim to that a little bit. But I do like seeing a plan, you know, come to fruition. Like I said, this stuff was interesting and i think it took some of the questions that we've had about dwayne johnson in any movie and the fact that he's like such an unbelievable real person like you can't imagine him existing in the world 
I had the same questions during this section that ended up being coming somewhat rectified by the fact that he was working with her all along. Like, this guy could never go undercover. Like, right. every, he would be the most noticeable person in any room he's ever been in. So the idea that he's, like, infiltrating a rich person's party uh, and can kind of, like, lay low is very unbelievable to me. See, but that piece of – that's actually where I was like, okay, he get like, oh, my God. Like, he actually gets what the funny bit of it is, is that he is wearing, like, a tiny little eyes wide shut mask very obviously not <laughs> like i was like oh my god does he actually get it but then they actually they call it out right then they're like that's never gonna that's never gonna uh, hide your disc which like all right well you can't just ever let the joke be the joke um. yeah <laughs> which is why i think some like i said this movie treats its viewers like idiots a lot of time i mean even to the to the point to go back to rome they're like they're giving you subtitles for the, what the guards are saying in italian and they're saying things like He's up on the scaffolding while pointing the scaffolding. Like, you don't have, like, we could get it. Like, we get it. We don't really need to know what they're saying. It's not important for the plot. Um, it was a yeah. lot of pointing, like, he's getting away. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of that. But I, I will say that, like, this party scene and this part of the movie had my favorite character in the entire movie. Soto Voce. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, do you want to give a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a, a soda voce reveal? What 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 we're what we're dealing with here? Well, yeah. So the the rich person that they're stealing the egg from, his name is Soto Voce. I think it's a little unclear to me who, like, how he has all this money or really what his deal is. But he's played by, I, I forget. He's got like some like Greek last name. Chris anyway. Diamantopoulos. I'm, yes, I'm... Chris Diamantopoulos. Yes, and he's like I think in Silicon Valley. He's uh, what's it? he's like a billionaire uh, <laughs> jerk in Silicon Valley who's really funny. I, I just like the fact that he was so over the top because this movie felt like we needed over the top characters versus these huge stars who are just doing what they always do. I mean, even Gal Gadot, like change up your look, change up your accent or maybe maybe not. But like it was just Something. like s- slight variations on who we already know them to be. Versus this guy, maybe he has the luxury of doing this because he's a lesser known actor. But he had like a whole character. He had like weird tattoos. He spoke in a really unplaceable accent. It was made very clear that... He's like whisper growling when he talks (laughs) though. (laughs) Soto Voce. And I like that all of his like computers have um, like user interface with like like uh, uh soto voce in like some weird design it's like in all of the it's like custom user interfaces everywhere um and i i liked all all of his like weird stuff and so we see this plan come to fruition they get the other egg soto voce catches them but it turns out that he's working with gal Gadot's character but then gal Gadot turns on him and kills him but then not really a lot of double crossing in this yeah. movie. Uh, but I do want to note, because before we move to basically the final third of the film, this this is essentially the one hour mark. And I texted you, Charlie, right when I got to this point, because I had at this point three different suspicions that this movie ar- aroused in me. Uh, the first one is I was pretty sure that they were going to do some sort of targeted like uh, means of of using this movie as a Hobbs and Shaw prequel. At this moment, I was pretty like lock set on that as being an inter uh, a preview to the reason that Dwayne and Ryan Reynolds have this connection at the beginning of Hobbs and Shaw. They work together on so I thought that's where this was one hundred percent leading as like a wink toward. That's one. That's, I, all right, let's let's take that one first because <laughs> this is fascinating to me. This is like a fan theory, like Reddit message board thing you have going on. And you really thought it was a plausible place where this movie would end up? I didn't necessarily because, look, you know, he's he's not Hobbes. I mean, I, I understand that we are we are living in, in a in a different universe, but I was I was pretty close. I was pretty convinced we were going to get some kind of nod to it. Uh, by the end of the film um we they don't. acknowledge vin diesel's <laughs> existence in this movie so there's, that's how that's there's how a vin diesel out. there was another i did take down one other there's a mr nobody a forgotten they 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 name this now we're getting deep there's a nazi 
plot section we're gonna have to dig into but they name one of them a forgotten mr nobody which felt to me like oh like, like a nod. Else mention yeah. it um so that was one and and i believe that you could make a plausible argument up until the final twist that it is the basis of some sort of uh like prequel for hobbs and shaw okay the second one and this is just uh this is this didn't come to fruition i was pretty sure you know at the very beginning of the movie, Dwayne Johnson's working with another FBI, like an Interpol agent. I thought the big twist was going to be that the FBI, that that, that was the Gal Gadot was working with her. That's I, had, I had the same thought. This was like, this actor was such like a featured character in this, in, in parts of this movie that you thought for sure that she would come back to be more important. Like they were telegraphing. Keep your eye on on her. Agent she is Das. Involved. Yes, okay. Agent Das. Exactly. And um, I was I was really curious, like, why is she being so featured for just being Dwayne's partner, but then not really partner because she's like, we did a check on you, and nobody's ever heard of you, which is a funny thing to get to after you've done a mission. Like, why wouldn't that be the vetting you would do prior to the mission? But to decide anyway. like two days into working with someone that he is no longer uh, right. after. Um, so there's that. And then, and then after the dance, because Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot have in a, this extended, like very intimate dance sequence. I put, I didn't say that they were, you know, I didn't necessarily realize that they were, uh, you know, going to be uh, revealed to have been in a relationship, but I did say, we're going to get a kiss. That was, um, I've oh. written out, you're going to get a kiss between these two. <laughs> I thought that that dance was like really, if you look at Dwayne Johnson, he just looks so uncomfortable doing it. And I just didn't get any sort of chemistry between the two of them. So, but I I do think that the movie was, that was what they were trying to get to is like, they're really laying it on thick that these people have undeniable chemistry. Well, it's the Emily Blunt thing, right? With Jungle, it was the same like. I know this doesn't make sense, but stay with me. They're gonna, they're gonna fall in love. <laughs> yeah, two. yeah. I mean, thinking about this movie now after the twist, a lot of it makes a little more sense, but it's not satisfying. So, like all of these weird character choices. Why did they have like an extended dance sequence together? Why did she? Why was she only going to torture him instead of Ryan Reynolds? And uh, it- it's also complicated because the journey that the biggest like emotional character journey, right? I think is Ryan Reynolds sort of learning to trust, learning to uh, have a friend, not being this lone wolf. And it's kind of a stretch because, you know, these are all still kind of bad people. Um, but at the end, the big reveal puts us all against him. Like we I, I don't know who who are we supposed to be supporting at the end of this movie? when rock and gal gadot kind of go on their merry way uh, right who's like who's a low status character and who's a high status character and at the end of the movie i i still think that's kind of a question i guess compared to all three of them like ryan reynolds is sort of you know he may be the world's greatest art thief but he's like still like the lowest status of of the three of them which is an odd place to end this movie uh but i i do think we should talk a little bit about the last third of this movie when they're like <laughs> going to go after the third egg, because not only do we get another jungle sequence, which Dwayne Johnson movies always end up in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> this is the second straight movie we've done that have Nazis <laughs> in it. I lost my mind. They don't, there is not an inkling for the first hour and a half of this movie that it would ever go in this direction. But it's like, it's, it's, it's what you're, it's almost as if he was on the set of jungle cruise and they needed a reason to just reuse some of that environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, but I mean, I, I think maybe it's just easy to fake jungle stuff. Just get a bunch of plants and dirt in a studio and you can fake it for relatively cheap versus having to go out there. Uh, I, I thought that this part was obviously aping, the most from Indiana Jones. This is the part where Ryan Reynolds is actually calling it out, which is mm-hmm. the fourth wall break. The fourth wall break over and over. I don't love, but you know, we end up in like an entire vault of antiquities, Nazi vault. He makes a big deal of calling out like the, the make and model of this Mercedes. So, you know, that's going to come, uh, that's going to come back and ends up being their getaway vehicle. When Interpol shows up and starts just trying to like 
shoot them. <laughs> that, well, that's yeah. Everyone in this movie is teleporting. First of all, everyone knows where well, everyone everyone's is. following each other. And Dwayne Johnson <laughs> mentioned like we've been in the jungle for two weeks. We've been going around for circles. And then Gal Gadot shows up. And is like, oh, I just followed you. And then Interpol shows up. And is like, well, I just followed you. <laughs> it's and outrageous. It, and it and that could have been played for a joke, but I don't think it was. No, no, they, that's they missed. They missed the camp. They missed <laughs> it. Uh, there's also there was a couple things I thought were pretty ridiculous about this sequence. One is the the phrase "Rudolph the Red nosed Nazi guy" is is used, which just seems like a wild choice. <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, lot of attempts at like one liners or catchphrases. He uses the line, "I'm really starting to not like you." Yes. It to feels both like of the them. Black Adam trailer driving me crazy. <laughs> it's the same kind of like there's something about this doesn't sit right. Like, yeah. Maybe they were attempting camp, but I don't know that you can have genuine camp in a movie that costs two hundred million dollars. That's a good question. I mean that's that's actually there's a is there a sliding scale in I, which I, it's possible? I don't think you can make a two hundred million dollar action movie that is a spoof. Well, I certainly don't think you can do it. With if if two thirds of your acting team, and I'm in this case, I'm counting Gallon and Ryan, are unable to break beyond like literally the basis the basis performance of them of themselves. Uh, like for Ryan Reynolds to not approach this in, uh, I mean, in any kind of unique fashion, it, it was it was Deadpool minus the suit. Uh, look for a box that says MacGuffin. Like literally, just everything he could possibly do. Uh, to be obvious and fourth wall breaking. And in a movie like this, I don't need to understand every little beat of the plot. I think a lot of Mission Impossible movies, their plots are kind of convoluted, but it's really more about the visceral action. Character stuff sometimes comes second, but they're characters that you love. You like grow attached to them. Uh, and they go to real locations. I mean, I, I compared this to Mission Impossible Fallout, cost 170 million dollars oh that's unbelievable it seems (laughs) like a more like they use that money towards things that matter to me things like stunts and locations versus i mean good good for uh gal gadot for getting paid 20 million dollars for this movie they all got paid 20 million so there goes you know a quarter of your budget but i just it was an expensive movie, and I think some of that was chalked up to COVID delays, yada yada. But at the end of the day, what you have, like, nobody's going to read the backstory of this movie and make make it up in their heads. Like, oh, well, it's not great, but they shot it during COVID, so I'm going to give them some give them some slack for that. Like, people don't they, they judge the actual product, not the circumstances that that it took to make it. And I just I think that. This movie could have been shot in a different way. The stunts could have been more real. And I I would have given it a lot more slack on things like character development. Mm-hmm. There's even, I mean, it's even just recycling common plot points from things like, you know, literally the the way they unlock the 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 final vault is identical to Jungle Cruise. <laughs> it's, a, it's a puzzle piece. And both item. those movies came out the same year. <laughs> it's identical. Uh, within months of each other yeah they didn't even try it's probably literally the same location and the (laughs) same exact or the same set rather and then the exact same plot device to open the i couldn't i I actually couldn't believe it at the end yeah it's it's pretty wild like i i know that like south american nazis that's a thing like a real thing that's happened and and movies have cashed in on the concept but i i just think that there was more that could be done like it didn't have to be Hitler's loot of treasure. It could have just been anything. Anything. And exactly. so it didn't matter that it was Hitler's treasure at, at the end of the day. Didn't really figure into the plot. I guess it might have given them a German card to escape in, but at like I said at the end of the day, it could have been anybody's loot and it would have been the same movie. So I I don't know. So it turns out Gal Gadot and Dwayne Johnson are working together. And that they're stealing these three eggs to give as a gift to a billionaire for his daughter's wedding. Yeah, and and his daughter's name is Cleopatra. Somehow it all it all comes full circle. 
Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran is performing, yeah. And he says, uh, I'm Ed Sheeran. What, I'm like, in Game of Thrones. Like, like I said, and that is another thing that just puts this movie in a time. And it's immediately dated as soon as it hits Netflix, you know? So I, I just think that like topical jokes really maybe more like they should stick to TV. Topical jokes should be for TV because TV doesn't really <laughs> last to the extent mm-hmm. uh, that a movie does. I just, do these people even like making movies? It's, you know, it's hard to know coming out of this one. It just, the whole thing felt feels like a cash grab and like, Good for them for getting paid. They should get paid whatever they want to get paid. I get that. I'm not judging them for that. But we even had things like Ryan Reynolds is drinking aviation gin and Dwayne Johnson is drinking Terramana tequila. The first 20 minutes, how are we going to get, how are we going to get visual indicators of their, I couldn't, that actually took me, like took me out. Completely out. Completely (laughs) And, you know, if it's a craven cash grab, I I get it. But at the end of the day, these things are movies. And there should be some, I don't want to get on like my high horse, but there should be some <laughs> level of respect paid to the fact that you're making a movie. You're not making an ad. How, how dare you have that? <laughs> <laughs> it just, there's, I'm, is, is there anything that you think could, is a fix like an instant fix? I don't think that there's like an instant fix. I think that, you know, maybe in script version, maybe in script form, this movie made a lot of sense and they just took it in a weird direction. They did some interesting things. I was reading about the photography and they had a drone pilot shoot some stuff in Rome. Stuff that I actually thought was like digital camera work that usually seems way out of place in a movie. It was practical. The The zooming through all of the buildings and during the first part of the chase that stuff was real which is kind of mind-blowing to think about but all of that stuff was dropped after rome then it was all interiors all jokes all green screen and i just if they would have pared back the budget of this movie i think that might have actually solved some problems because they actually would have had to come up with creative workarounds to certain things that they wanted to portray versus just relying on green screen and CGI to basically give them everything that they wanted. That's a great point. You, if you, you force a little bit of creativity, then you can at least maybe squeeze some exciting performance out of these three. I think the clo- I, I agree, right? There's no, there is no silver bullet, uh, unfortunately for this film. Although I do, I do think that parts of it were genuinely entertaining. I do think one, and I, I think we kind of mentioned this early on, but I think, I think this movie makes a lot more sense if you completely remove either Ryan Reynolds or Gal Gadot. And I think Gal Gadot is probably the easier one to remove, right? I think so. If if you want to leave her in, maybe they have a dynamic. Maybe it's like a uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Is that the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie? I forget what that's called. Smith. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, maybe they have like a little bit of that, a little bit of Dwayne's relationship with Vanessa Kirby from Hobbs and Shaw. Maybe that's kind of what that looks like. If you remove her, I think what you ultimately have is a not as good Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson, Hobbs and Shaw, which, uh, you know, that's not great either. But I think that right. either one of those helps streamline this in a, in, a, in, a, in a way for the better. I think streamline is probably the order of the day here because it this movie seems like a two-hander in a lot of ways. And I think there's a, there's a reason why a lot of movies like this are set up that way. But then you add in Gal Gadot's character basically just so that they could have a twist at the end that two of them were working together while the other one was left out. I will say, despite my feelings about this movie... I think I'm like weirdly more excited for a sequel. Now that like all the pardon the pun chess pieces are on the table, (laughs) we can actually like get to the business of like a fun adventure versus like all the chicanery. I don't know. I, I I guess like in the Bishop thing I should have seen through, I feel like an idiot. Like there are two bishops on every chess board. There's actually four, four, there's four. Dwayne, there's four. It just seemed like too specific not to be, you know, for it to not have a reason. No, I think you're right. You know, uh, the sequel in which they're working together. Look, 
Sometimes you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. I think you got to break $200 million <laughs> worth of eggs to, to make a decent omelet, perhaps. A Holiday Inn omelet. Yeah. Right. I think that the sequel would make sense because it clears things up. Uh, and honestly, just replace Reynolds with Statham or Kevin Hart. And this movie's okay. probably better. <laughs> I totally thought Kevin Hart was going to make an appearance. Yes. I was like convinced of it. And when that guy got off the plane, like it was like Nigerian, he's African. I totally thought that that was going to be him. I it was like, it would have crossed over from the central. <laughs> it would have been a perfect central intelligence crossover. Uh, but I, yeah, I just think that, and they're going to shoot two more sequels to this. So we're getting two sequels to this movie. They're going to be shot back to back. Um, I, I just think that like, now that we know who these characters are, let's go on like a really streamlined and fun adventure instead of trying to sometimes be in a James Bond movie, sometimes be a national treasure, treasure, sometimes being an Indiana Jones. Let's just do, let's just do an action movie and then let the chips fall where they may. Completely accurate. Charlie, any any final thoughts as we kind of anything you wanted to, to make sure we plug here about about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want it to seem like we're like completely negative all the time. So like I'm constantly looking for fun and good things. And I do think that Dwayne Johnson's outfit in the beginning of this movie turtleneck with a red leather duster <laughs> is so cool. <laughs> I was, so good. But the issue with it. It was so good that Ryan Reynolds had to call it out in the movie. So once again, something I really liked about this movie gets completely undercut by the fact that they call it out. But I, you know, in seeing Dwayne Johnson in a tuxedo was great. I don't think we've really seen that before. I, I was, I have a, I do want to have a note here. I think that he looked fantastic in this movie. I think he looked strong, but suave. I was getting a lot of different I, I, different, different. Uh, he was a evo- he was bringing a lot out of me. He was evoking a lot of different <laughs> feelings. I, I thought he looked fantastic. Uh, yeah, I I think so too. You know how much I love like a svelte early <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, and I think that if he wasn't so massive, then you know I I think a a lot of these things are a little more believable. Uh, but I will say he looked great in that tux. I was a little worried because he's so wide mm-hmm. that you would just have like this massive black like uh, like kingpin in Spider-Verse. <laughs> we're, we're like almost in no. that zone. <laughs> no. uh, so I, I, yeah. And Gal Gadot, I really like her. I really like her. And I want, I think she's just such a magnetic presence on screen that I want her to do well. I just didn't get that from her in this movie. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not completely writing writing off Ryan Reynolds. I have sort of had a he kind of has graded me in his movies. Uh, but then I started watching Welcome to Wrexham and I kind of like I understand his appeal. I think he's a very charming guy. Uh, so I was I was like hoping that he would bring like more like real world charm versus the dead poolishness mm, of it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he's he's unable to move outside of that box, unfortunately. Which is a bummer, because I do think that like he's probably the best actor out of all three of them. I think that he has that in him. I, I think we've kind of given up on Dwayne Johnson like showing us more than what he's been showing us in the last few years. I think Skyscraper was like really getting getting towards like real performance, real emotion, real stories, like a real like you could tell that that character lived a life. Versus this one, like, all you knew is that his dad was a con man. And that's it. Now, that all being said, I want to get a sense of where, uh, if you had to kind of rate this, where this just generally falls in our list. Um, I think mine might surprise, well, maybe not be surprising at this point, kind of based on some of what I've been, what we've kind of discussed here. But is there, with that, is there a, this movie, does this, does this rank in a general upper half lower half and and would you separate that from the rocks performance at all no to me the rocks performance went the way that the movie went i i kind of thought it was scattered uh sometimes he would give you one thing another time give you something different not in like a dynamic character way in the fact like in a way that was just like he didn't know what this character was 
I would say it's like lower middle, maybe. And I do, I take off points to the fact that this movie costs $200 million. If you do that, make sure that you're spending that money on the screen. And I think Maverick costs less than this movie. And Maverick had like real jets, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable, actually, that that, that, that could cost less. Right. Uh, and, and it's just like, and, and maybe these are things that only I care about. I would say lower middle. I would compare it to something like a, I was going to say Hobbs and Shaw, but I like Hobbs and Shaw a lot more. Yeah, I think I'm going to be a little bit, I think we're, we're going to be a little bit of a disagreement here. I was taking a look. We haven't done a formal like ranking uh, of our movies in quite some time. I was just taking a look at what I had the last time we recorded and my top 10 rounds out with Hercules rampage and game plan. Do I think that this movie is better than those? I perhaps, perhaps, I think perhaps better than Rampage. Um, I'm not sure if I'm willing to put it above Hercules. I'm not sure. I loved, I do love game plan. If I looked at the next tier down, I have run down Moana and get smart. And that's where I know my rent. It's all, we need to revisit this because that is not the how the rundown being that low is, is the Rampage being over the rundown is, is a crime. I think my most of my I, I have a very fast, heavy uh, top now. Well, as you at. should, but you know. I know the game plan also for me, I think, is, <laughs> is a wildly high up there. I think for me, this is going to end up sitting. If I have Moana at 12, get smart at 13. I think this is better performance than get smart. Not as entertaining as Moana. So I think this probably sneaks like just outside my top 10 in terms of Dwayne's performances. The movie itself, I'm going to have a lot lower. But I think that Dwayne, this is like a rare, uh, the rare moment where Dwayne carries uh, what is otherwise, in my opinion, extremely flat, uh, flat, flat acting performances. Um, I wow. think he nailed the tone. He nailed the camp and no one else could live up to it, which is so rare. So for that reason, I want to push this up higher. But yeah, the movie itself is, is a bit of a slog. I, I think you're doing more work for this movie than it deserves. He seven bucks is like the primary producers of this movie enough to where we got like a seven bucks logo at the beginning of the movie, which I believe is the first time we've seen that. Right. Very exciting to see that on screen. Mm -hmm. Did it look exactly like the uh, energy drink logo? <laughs> is it just Zoa? Is it just hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Gotta look this up. Oh, my. Oh, and this is this is. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is Who let him get away with this? It literally is just. This it's the exact same thing. Zoa is brought. It, Zoa is a seven bucks production. That's absolutely remarkable. I'm looking for my rankings, uh, and I can't. I don't. It's been so long. I can. I can walk you. I have. I have yours here. This is from when we did our episode thirty, which was Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh. So I don't think it's our. It's not the most recent, but I can give you a, a sense of where your top ten rounded out. Sure. You had your eight, nine, and ten as Rampage, G.I. Joe, and Hercules. Directly below that, Gridiron Gang, Get Smart, and Snitch. Hmm. I don't remember anything about uh, Snitch. <laughs> I no. truly don't. Um, so I, I'll say let's put this above Snitch. I, I'm fascinated by our Hercules rankings. Once again, a, a movie that I don't think about very often, but clearly is one of the better ones according to us we may need to do a re i think there's a, a rock talk revisits miniseries perhaps are we promising too much <laughs> we're back baby <laughs> okay i i do think it we should talk briefly about the vin diesel joke in this movie considering we spent so much time with rachel talking about the beef was this a direct shot at Vin, or is this like a ryan reynolds like jokey thing is there, is there any chance we have a clip of it? You know what I think is funny, Booth? Vin Diesel's audition tape for Cats? It exists. The fact... Okay. <laughs> Once again, you get a Ryan Reynolds like joke that's like so quippy that it's hard to even clip it out like and watch. Did he look at the camera? Just, just about. It's a direct-to-camera fourth oh, wall. Man. Well, it's also, I, does, does Ryan Reynolds joke, by the way, like a Family Guy episode? Like, I feel like the way he speaks 
is like how Family Guy introduces humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very much like a, an aside in a mm-hmm. Family Guy kind of way, which I think can be funny in the right context. But if it's an entire movie, it's like it's exhausting. In fighting with my family, reading this right now on Newsweek, there's a line where where Dwayne's introducing himself. To if you if you remember, Paige the wrestler plays a major part of that. He's introducing himself to Paige's father, played by Nick Frost, and Nick Frost says, "Yeah, and I'm Vin Diesel," and hangs up the phone. That's right. Uh, so a little bit That's of that. Right. Yeah. I anyway. It. I don't know that it's so much of a, a shot at Vin Diesel as it is just a reference. But you know, you can't. The the two of them can't talk about each other without it seeming like a diss one way or the other. Um. Anyway, any final. Any final thoughts about this movie? I do feel like this movie is going to vanish out of my head as soon as we stop talking about it. Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. It, it This movie had one of my favorite quotes in a movie, uh, in a rock movie uh, in a long time, and that's all's fair in love and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think Who is, says that? I, I actually don't. I'm, I'm sure it was like Ryan Reynolds based on the way, but I think I found that hysterical um all is fair in love and eggs that's true i mean listen as as much as i feel like we offline talk about eggs this is like (laughs) we should have we were the target audience for this movie i will say that this movie is probably the worst movie about three people trying to find three eggs after ready player one (laughs) um and in the ranking of movies about three egg MacGuffins. Uh, this is this is this slots in right below. behind Ready Player One. If you had told me this was an extended Ready Player One universe film, <laughs> I think I'd like this movie more. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, are you excited for a sequel? What, what are your thoughts about a sequel? I am. Uh, I'm really not. I'm optimistic that it will be better. I just don't know if the world needs it. Um, but I'm holding out, you know, we'll, we'll see it as is our, as is our sworn duty. We'll be there. Um, I don't know you, uh, how you feel. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm actually pretty optimistic for a sequel. Like I said, now that everything has sort of been set out, we don't have like any of this weird chicanery of trying to figure out who these people actually are. Then maybe, maybe we'll be in for a fun romp. Well, we will keep you posted on how uh, production on that is coming along uh, as we as we march toward year seven, eight, nine of this <laughs> podcast, I'm sure. Um, until then, if you haven't, uh, please check out our stuff on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Would be amazing if you could leave a five-star rating if you like us. Uh, leave a comment, leave a review. It means a lot. It's how the show gets noticed by The Rock one day and we get hired by seven bucks to go fix what's happening. And then we have to immediately delete everything bad that we've ever said about seven bucks. I would be willing to do that because much like Dwayne Johnson, I appreciate a good payday. (laughs) Thanks for listening.